Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. And welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott. This is Oilers Now. Where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply saving. The night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. Brian Lawton's weekly segments on orders now, brought to you by Cadian Custom Built Homes. Check out the Cadian Show Home, the Juliet, in Sherwood Park Golf Estates. More info at CadianCustomHomes.com. Shane Bogdan has Cadian. I remember Shane strolling into the Edmonton Oilers dressing room in the early 1990s, looking literally like a stock character of what you would think an enforcer would look like. He had that. He's about six foot four and about 225 pounds. Now he's in the uh, home building business. Good for him. All right. We're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino hotline, and we welcome back Brian Lawton, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as um, the man that started Octagon's player agency. Brian, how you doing? Fantastic, Bob. How are you? It was a late last couple days, let me tell you. And uh, got, played uh, played the Abs, played about as well as they could have. Uh, you know, limited Colorado to 16 even strength shots, Brian, in that game. Uh, Colorado got five power plays, scored a couple in the PP, and then capitalized on a, a break in OT. And then last night, I think the Oilers kind of ran out of a little bit of juice in the third, didn't capitalize on their chances. And we got into Dallas uh, in a hotel at 4 a.m. and got back last night in Edmonton, 3.30, 4 a.m. So uh, off day today for the players. But that's that's you got to be able to live with that. Is that an advantage that Dallas has, do you think? There's no other teams near them. So often they do end up getting clubs coming in quite late to play them because – they have a really good home record and just, uh, well, to be honest with you, below average road record. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about it yesterday, trying to figure out why Dallas is so great on home and so average on the road. And, you know, technically, obviously, there is a little bit of advantage with last change. 
But it shouldn't be as dramatic as it is there. I think there is something to uh, teams having to come off and further, certainly on back-to-backs. And uh, also psychologically, you know, people always ask me that question. I like playing on the road. Uh, That, to me, was more enjoyable than playing at home or at least – Always got jazzed up to do that. Not everybody's the same. It's just you'd have to go through each individual on the team because it's a quagmire, that's for sure. Well, and, you know, the funny thing is usually the team in the second or the back-to-back has a lot of jump in the first half of the game. And Edmonton in the first period last night could have scored three or four goals, but they just weren't sharp. Like there was a play where Yamamoto gave it to McDavid, Connor McDavid, and he's been red hot of late, but he missed the open net. It was a bang-bang play down low. A couple other pretty good chances as well. <laughs> And uh, they never, they never gained the separation they needed in the hockey game. So uh, you know that happens sometimes. That said, Jay Woodcroft still twelve six and two since taking over from head coach. All right, I, I know because I was watching your show while I was hosting our trade deadline day show. Um, I know you were working. Uh, give me your assessment on the body of work uh, from the Edmonton Oilers, the acquisitions of both uh, Brett Kulak and Derek Broussard with uh, the organizations that Edmonton made the deal with uh, retaining 50% of the money? Uh, I was happy to see the Oilers make a couple moves. I was a little bit underwhelmed, I would say, with the end result. Um, They didn't want to give up a lot of assets, that was clear, but at the end of the day, I thought maybe just a couple little tweaks here and there, and they might have yielded a lot more. Obviously, Nick Paul is a guy that uh, certainly of big-time interest. Uh, Tampa Bay was amazing in what they were able to get done. Um, that, to me, was uh, that was a big move that was pretty economical. Would have loved to see Edmonton to maybe get in on some of that action, to be honest with you. And then uh, on the back end, Kulak obviously was only making – enough where they could get it down to under a million salary cap wise. Uh, but I was hoping they might go for a guy like Carson Soucy, you know, yeah. guy with another year left, a little bit of cost certainty. You know, it, it just, it, it depends what your goals are. I don't, I wasn't in the Oilers room, obviously. So hard to say what their goals were, but just seemed like there were a lot of things happening. There were a lot of opportunities out there and uh, clearly you know, Edmonton, just by watching the Colorado game the other night, uh, it's obvious that you can really see a very good team with the Oilers, but you need some tweaks. And I was hoping that they might be a little bit more aggressive in getting that done, to be honest with you. All right, so Carson Soucy never did end up getting traded. The guy that got traded out of there was Jeremy Luzon, who is a restricted free agent. And, Brian, I will tell you, Edmonton was in on Jeremy Luzon. Nashville gave up a second. They retain his rights. Um and I, I also believe the orders were in on Nick Paul. They were trying to, they were trying to make it work on Nick Paul. Speaking of Ottawa, I'm, I'm a little bit, I don't like to do this because you know when you're the Oilers, you miss the playoffs. I don't know what it was, ten straight years. Uh, now the team made the playoffs in '17. I know people say, "Ah, oh, was the bubble that doesn't count?" They were second in the division in 1920. They were second in the division last year. There's a good chance they might end up second in the division this year. So, but Edmonton hasn't, you know, won a cup uh, obviously since 1990. They haven't been in the finals since '06. I don't like to disparage other organizations, but what was Ottawa doing? Like the thing with Hamannick. I don't get it all. The guy was on waivers earlier this year. The return on Paul for me, Brian, was completely under. I, I did not understand some of their moves. 
No, it's uh, and then of course we've had some controversy since the trade deadline ended, uh, potentially surrounding Elliot. I, I, I hate to pass judgment. I only, you know, know what uh, we had Elliot on the other day, and he was intimating that there there may have been a lack of transfer of information on a trade call. I have no idea if that's true or not. I hope it's not true. Uh, certainly, for Ottawa's sake. Um, in any event, in terms of uh, Travis Hamanick, that baffled just about everybody in the hockey world. Um, it's not a slight on Travis. I could craft a story that David Capuano, associate coach there who coached him in Long Island, but the Islanders, of course, would have known him, maybe liked him, but there was just no reason to pay the money that they paid. No reason to pay the price. Even you would have think you've got him at a at a retained salary, and you would have think that they might have paid you to take him. That's just what the feeling is around the league. So that was pretty shocking. But uh, again, you know, the the one thing that stood out to me is it was clear on trade deadline day what teams are really forward thinking and progressive, and what teams are not. Um, I'd have a hard time putting Ottawa in that category, judging by the moves they made at the deadline. I, I missed something there. Was there an issue with an Ottawa trade that lacked transparency, or is this tying back to the Dadnoff deal before, when he went to? Uh, this is tying. This is tying back to Dadnoff and referred to. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of things from people in Ottawa that everybody knew he had a no trade clause and a 10-team restricted no-trade clause, I do agree that, yes, everyone knew, and yes, you could read that on Cap Friendly, but what happens when you make these trades is there's always three parties on the phone, the trading team, the acquiring team, and the NHL, and you go over the file of a player. In this particular case, Dadnoff had to submit a no-trade list before July 1st of this summer. Okay, he got traded on July 28th to Vegas when Vegas had the trade call. According to Elliot Friedman, it was intimated that the player had not met that responsibility and therefore did not have a trade okay. list. That was later. That was later proven to be false. Um, I don't know if the NHL is taping their trade calls. That's what we do in business. So I hope they are because it's always great to know exactly what everyone said. But uh, the NHL is usually a pretty good stickler on this stuff. They are the you know, governing body on all trades, obviously. So uh, that one is yet to be determined, but something doesn't quite pass the smell test on that one right now, and eventually we'll find out what it is, I believe. All right, well, let's take this one step further. Brian Lawton joining us right now, and Brian's appearances on Oilers now are brought to you by Cadian Custom Built Homes. Does this reflect poorly on the Vegas Golden Knights, and is yet this another chapter in terms of the treatment of the players in Vegas after what occurred with Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, I like Kelly McCrimmon. I know, I mean, I, I'm not super tight with Kelly, but uh, I think he's pretty sharp. I think he's pretty driven. Uh, some might say his, well, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I know a family that purchased a WHL team. They said, any advice? I said, don't trade with Kelly McCrimmon. You're going to lose the trade. That's what I said to him. Um, and... Uh, and they went ahead and made two trades with Kelly McCrimmon. <laughs> you know, I digress. Uh, 
circling back to this, like you look at what happened with Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury was a part of the culture of the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, the the Vegas Golden Misfits to start. You had the whole situation with a guy that you know well, with Alan Walsh and the stabbed in the back with the the sword, the whole thing. And now this scene has occurred with uh, uh, Dadnov. I mean, and of course, lo and behold, Vegas has been shut out in back-to-back nights. They've got a ton of injuries and illnesses. It's pretty interesting, Brian, isn't it? Like, is is this a byproduct of where there's smoke, there's fire here, Brian? Hard to say. You know, we're we're trying to decide and and either compliment or bury people on things that we don't know yet. So I'm trying to do my best to withhold any judgment uh, until we know that. I like Kelly McCrimmon personally. I'm friends with him. I spoke to him last week. Um, He is laser focused on trying to win a Stanley Cup. You could say that organization has been laser focused and pushed things to the nth degree. I've heard everything from people about bad karma, this or that. Ultimately, the culture should start at the top. Yep. And when I say top, I mean the very, very top. You're talking ownership. So it should come from, I'm talking ownership. And then it filters very quickly down to your president or general manager, depending on your organizational structure. In Vegas's case, George McPhee, of course, is the president of hockey. Kelly McCrimmon is the general manager. Um, but I don't think you can do those types of things without getting some acquiescence from your ownership group. Uh, Bill Foley, as everyone knows, is he's a terrific guy and i've had an opportunity to chat with him a number number of times but i can't imagine that anything would get done like that without his approval i don't know if that's at his direction or not that's that's too much for me to ad lib i just don't know but uh, yes they have they've been very aggressive with their players i could easily uh suggest that maybe they knew dead enough had a no-trade list, and they still wanted to try to trade him there. That seems really foolish, in my opinion, and I don't actually believe Kelly would do that. But in the end, I think the the NHL will be really transparent. In today's world, that's where everybody's going with what happened and uh, what the repercussions will be. It's really a shame for a player, though, that ends up in limbo. Well, I mean, right now, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have Mark Stone on LTIR and Alec Martinez. It's almost $15 million in LTR. And they have been in on everybody, right? Like, they they made a blockbuster deal to get Pacioretty. They made a blockbuster deal to get Stone. Uh, They won the, uh, you know, the the, the best defenseman that switched teams over the course of the last three years has been Petrangelo. And and then they went and got Jack Jack Eichel to be their first-line center. Like, they've been real. To be honest with you, Brian, I was shocked that they traded for Dadnoff in the first place. I didn't understand the deal to begin with. I know he had decent numbers in Florida, but he didn't, you know, what a drop last year at the Ottawa Senators. Like, to me, he was he was a negative energy. Like, Ottawa's got some good young players. He wasn't part of that group, and you know what I'm saying? I was surprised Ottawa was able to move him out. I agree with you, and at the salary that he was at, with another year left, I think a lot of people were surprise to be honest with you but you know that it comes down to each individual hockey operations department one man's treasure is another team's trash it's just the way it is and i don't mean to say that disrespectfully to any players it's just a saying that some team may love them where another one doesn't Um, but i would have been on the shocked side of things like you when that trade went down 
Brian, uh, you worked the trade deadline day show. You spoke briefly about the Oilers. Whose body of work, which NHL organization's work did you like? You know, I thought Florida and Tampa were exceptional. These are teams that have no cap space. You know, I, I talked to most of the teams, if not all of them, at some point on the run-up to trade deadline, and I heard a lot of, we don't have any cap space, we don't have any cap space. And then I see a team like Tampa go out and acquire not only a good young player in Brandon Hagel, but also a guy they're going to have cost certainty with for the next uh, few seasons. And to me, that's just really great work. It's not necessarily the biggest trade, but it could be a really important one for them as they try to do what nobody's done in nearly 40 years, three-peat. So uh, I thought their body of work, getting Nick Paul for Matthew Joseph and a pick, I thought that was sensational. Me too. Uh, on the other side, yeah, on the other side of it, I thought Florida did a pretty nice job too. Um, those are tricky whenever you have a player that only has one destination. I mean, I'll just say it on air. You know, if you're ever a general manager for any of the fans out there, please don't go and, you know, if you're going to meet with the player and he wants to be traded, tell him he needs to give you at least two teams, preferably three, and he needs to put it in writing so he can't change his mind in the middle. Uh, that's the way that you kind of prevent that from happening. We saw it happen with Taylor Hall in Buffalo. So there's a, you know, there's a process to follow in order to do things properly. Players have earned the right to just say no, but clubs always have the right to say, then, you know, we can't trade you. Because you end up making weak deals and they don't look great for your organization. I know everybody says just take whatever you can get. Um, but I think if you set those things up on the front end properly, you can you can do a really good job by your organization. From your personal experience in Tampa Bay, did that occur to you? Where you were limited, hamstrung in a trade negotiation by a player? Um, I saw it all in Tampa, but I had a player come in, a famous player you and I have talked about, that asked me to be traded to one team, and I just said that's not happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and it never did happen. You don't want to be given one team to, to be traded, especially if a player didn't have any right to say that either. That was just a, a, a thought at the time. And I, I appreciate players always being transparent with you, but you've got to be transparent with them as well and just say you can't do that. So, but, I, you know, there was another deal I had where the owners had negotiated for a player before I even got to it. Just crazy things like that that were difficult to deal with. Oh, I saw uh, part of that ownership group actually was in Edmonton last weekend. He was busting me a bit. Uh, anyhow, I, you can imagine who that would be. <laughs> It, I have it, a pretty strong guess, yes. It wasn't Oren, put it that way, who occasionally listens to our <laughs> show while he's making blockbuster movies, which just stuns me that much more. All right, a uh, little bit of a curveball to close off with here. Uh, and Frank Cervelli tweeted about this on uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, about two and a half, three hours after the trade deadline passed. There was a little subtle move made by the Philadelphia Flyers organization. They had a guy on a two-year deal on an American League deal for this year and next season. And uh, the Oilers, as an example, had a couple AHL guy contracted guys whose deals were up, and they elected to give them NHL contracts for the next two years. But the Philadelphia Flyers went and burnt a year immediately with an NHL deal on a player that came in on an AHL deal 
and that was Hayden Hodson. Why did the Flyers do that? What do you think went on behind the scenes that the Flyer and, and just so everybody is aware, Hayden Hodson is a six foot two right wing. Uh, he played with both Connor McDavid and with Marcus Niemelainen in the minors. He's a left-handed fighter. Uh, he's got 18 goals and 70 penalty minutes this year. Jason Smith is the assistant coach of Ian Lapierre down in Lehigh Valley. Why do you think the Flyers, uh, because, you, you know, you, you might say, well, well, we'll sign you to an NHL deal for next season. Why do they do it right away here? Uh, generally, when you have a player, you know, Hayden's like 26 years old, if my memory serves me correctly, um, popping in the in the AHL, right, kind of doing things that he hadn't really done before. So he's in the AHL. He had close to 20 goals in 40 games. And uh, I would imagine, you know, because people may not understand, players on American Hockey League deals can be signed by anybody, even if they're playing on your team. So if Edmonton has a guy in Bakersfield and he's doing really good and he's on American Hockey League deal and somebody wants to sign him, they can come in and sign him. So I would imagine that uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms <laughs> somehow figured out that some NHL teams, because I had heard of a number of teams that were looking at Hayden, were going to sign him. And I think that Philly in the defensive move turned around and did it. There has been talk in the past about you don't really do this to somebody's on a somebody on another team, but that's not a that's not a rule. That's just a courtesy. So, and I have seen people that don't honor that courtesy in the past many times as well. But uh, ultimately, uh, good good for Hayden. He's worked really hard at his game. He could be a Tanner Janot type story, although he's a little bit older. Um, but, you know, there's there's a dearth of players, particularly players that, you know, are 6'2", 208 pounds and have reasonably soft hands and can move. So I wasn't surprised to see him sign, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, uh, and you said it. I mean, that's – do you honor that gentleman's agreement that's in the AHL or you just say, screw it, we, 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 have, we have a lack of this in our organization. Let's just sign the guy. He's represented by Pat Morris. You would have had to have thought that Morris would have been in con- – is that one where the agent uh, ends up, you know, drumming up interest for the player as well and tipping off, you know, a couple different guys at different organizations? Does that occur sometimes too, Brian? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's no tampering on a player like that. Nobody owns their rights. But from an agent's perspective, you know, for for a guy like Hayden, I mean, it was a pretty dramatic change. He was in the East Coast League, you know, last year and played in, uh, like, Utah. And, you know, did okay, but his numbers were better in the American League. So that's a pretty significant pop. And he just happens to have the size and the mobility where you could easily look at him and say, it's worth a flyer. And in this case, it literally was worth a flyer because he became a flyer. Great stuff, Brian. Much appreciated. We'll hook up next week, okay? My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. 12.55 in Edmonton uh, for Cadian Homes, custom-built homes. That's Brian Lawton. We'll head off to a quick timeout, come back with some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you, 1257 in Edmonton. Let's go to the Oilers Now injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. You know, Trent Brown 
probably the best football player the Alberta Golden Bears program has produced in the last 40 years. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, James H. Brown, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Well, the injury report may be down to this. Oscar Clefbaum on LTIR, shoulder injury. Kyle Turris on LTIR, upper body injury. Because Ryan Nugent Hopkins may play as early as tomorrow. And if that happens, Edmonton, for the first time since the middle of November, would have access to seemingly all of their players that would be in the lineup. Because I think at this stage, we can the writing's on the wall. Um Edmonton will take on the San Jose Sharks, and it will be Capo Kakinen starting a goal tomorrow for the Sharks. I wonder if we see Mike Smith tomorrow. I have to wait and see on that front. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. And this one comes in out of Edmonton. Bob just wanted to mention that Curtis Douglas with the Marlies is an equivalent to Hayden Hodson. Douglas is 6'8", 250 pounds, and 22. Just signed an NHL deal, even though he had an NHL deal due for next year. The guy breaks jaws and beats up everybody that he fights. Um... Actually, Curtis Douglas is probably a better prospect than Hayden Hodson because he's 22 and not 26. Um, Hodson wins some and loses some, but he's game, and he's he can score a bit. Douglas, in terms of that pure role, probably more of an enforcer. You can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, David Staples, uh, John Shannon, and more coming up in the second hour of the show. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.